learn about people if you just come to church long enough. You know, it's interesting this morning. Well, we've been looking at the book of Daniel and prophecy, some scriptures that are, are often difficult to understand in our study. But today, as we come to this section of scripture, it's on prayer. So we've had this wonderful uh, skit to remind us that coming to prayer means playing no games, coming before God with an honest heart. And so let's look in there. Um, oh, let me say a, a word real quick here. Starting the first of the year, we believe in prayer and we want this service to be in prayer. And so we have a prayer room over near the kitchen area and about uh, half the sign-up sheet, there's been volunteers. We're going to have guides in that prayer room just to give suggestions on how to pray as we worship together in here. Uh, Things like blocking the devil out of anything God wants to do here. Uh, and but anyway, the, a list of guidelines and uh, different things in order to pray. We want someone in the prayer room praying while we're together worshiping because we believe God works as we pray. So I encourage you, if God lays that on your heart, be a part of that. Just sign up sheet out there and as the days move on toward the first of the year. But let's get into this prayer of Daniel. Daniel chapter 9, verses 1. Through verse 19. I'm going to ask you to stand in God's honor as I read aloud from his word. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition and fasting. And in sackcloth and ashes, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with all who love him and obey his commands. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, our fathers, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you're righteous, but this day we're covered with shame. The men of Judah and people of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far and in all the countries where you've scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. Oh, Lord, we and our kings, our princes and our fathers are covered with shame because we've sinned against you. The Lord, our God's merciful and forgiving, even though we've rebelled against him. We've not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. You fulfilled the words spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing upon us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what we have, what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring the disaster upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does, yet we have not obeyed him. Now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and who made for yourself a name that endures to this day, 
We've sinned. We've done wrong. Oh, Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and iniquities of our fathers have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, O Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, O God, and hear. Open our eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because you are righteous, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, listen. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hear and act. For your sake, O my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. Let's pray. Lord, continue to speak to us. As we heard in the skit, Father, you have so much more you want to say. And too often, we're not listening. Open our ears, open our hearts. Speak to us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I thought it was interesting here as you come to this section of Scripture. Daniel's in his 80s. He served God a long time. And, you know, we view him as the guy who went through the lion's den. We view him as the guy who tried to comfort his friends who went through the fiery furnace. We, we, we view him as, as a guy of political clout who day after day he, he was working in the kingdom and, and, and he was man up to his neck in politics. He was involved. But as we look at this section of Scripture, as he has had God reveal to him truth of, of what is going to happen, of a coming judgment that is going to fall upon the world, he has a heart for his land. And as we open the Scripture here in, in chapter 9, we see that there's a new ruler that's placed on the Babylonian throne. There are new leaders in charge of the nation. And, of course, I couldn't help but think of the parallel you know, today is um, we have this constant battle on, it seems like, in our government. And, and I think sometimes, Lord, why can't we just work together? There's this constant fight and this battle and nobody wants to listen and everybody wants to push, but nobody wants to grab the load and pull together. And, and, and there's that sense of pain and, and suffering and, and nothing happens and as I look at that, you know, I thought to myself, I pray for the president. And I have prayed for my congressman. I don't think I've ever prayed for the Supreme Court. I was thinking about that this morning. Praying for our local politician. Praying for those who are in charge. And as we see here, we see Daniel who comes with his heart and he's praying for the land. But I want you to notice, too, as we open up here in, in verse 2, it says he mourned. <laughs> and, and notice how long he mourned. He mourned for three weeks. He had no appetite. He ate no choice food. He ate no meat. No, no wine touched his lips. Uh, no lotions. All those amenities, all those things to spoil you, those conveniences, comforts. He had no time for any of that because he was broken. And... It tells us that in that time of, of, of being broken, that he opened the scriptures. It says in the um, 
in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures. So he had the scrolls, those ancient scriptures, open before him. And look at verse 3 as we see his brokenness. He turned to the Lord God, pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting, in sackcloth, and ashes. And as he... As he prayed, I want you to see the concentration and the passion that's described in that prayer. And he says, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. You know, it's interesting here as I go down through the scriptures here. He doesn't point the finger somewhere else. He doesn't say, man, those wicked Babylonian lowlifes. They're the cause and the issue of all my problems. He doesn't point the finger at the circumstances and say, if only there wasn't this captivity, this place, you know, that we were snatched away from our homeland and sent here. If it wasn't for these circumstances, he doesn't go there. But where he starts in the scripture here is he praises God. He says, Lord, great and awesome God. And it's it's wonderful here. As we go down through here, we see he's a God of compassion. And he says here, who keeps his covenant of love with all who love him and obey his commands. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 as we read about those commands. And it says that God brings his judgment to those who hate him, to the third and fourth generations. But to those who love him... To a thousand generations. In other words, although he brings discipline, although there is judgment, three or four generations compared to a thousand generations tell you the real movement of his heart. The real movement of his heart is compassion. The real movement of his heart is love. And I noticed a half a dozen times it specifically uses the word sin or sins. But there's a description. It goes in further detail of what that's like. And when he says this, He uses the word we. He's not blaming the circumstances. He's not blaming someone else. He's saying this mess is what we got into. This is our doing. And it is so easy to be unhappy and to look around us and point the finger. But what God calls us to do is to point it back at ourselves And say, God, help us. Because, see, we are America. What we see around us, we're not talking about those other people. We are America. Just as it talks in here about God's people being the Jews, we're Americans. We need God's help. And and look at some description of what this was like here. As he says, we've sinned, we've done wrong. Is there anything anymore that makes us blush? I was thinking about that today. What do you have to do anymore to be surprised or to blush or to be embarrassed? Notice he says here, um, we've been wicked. We've rebelled. We've turned away from your commands and laws. There's just a a feeling of rebellion all around us. Um, We've not listened to your servants, the prophets. Yeah, we listen, but do we listen? There's a difference between listening and listening and hearing God's word where it changes. Like James 1.22 where it says, Do not merely listen to the word of God. Do what it says. 
And, and then he goes here and, and he, he talks about here. He says, yeah, pray for the kings, pray for the princes, pray for the fathers and all the people. In other words, it's inclusive. This is all of us. And he, he says, you're righteous, Lord. We're covered with shame. We are covered with shame, both near and far. And he goes on here, he says, to those who are scattered, we've been unfaithful to you. Doesn't matter which church you may be in, which section of Bristol or which section of the Tri-Cities. As God's people, there is a joint confession here. Daniel is saying, I'm part of this. And so are God's people. God, we've turned from you. We turn from you, Lord. Unfaithfulness. And I love it in verse 9, though. And this, this is God's heart. Look what he says. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. You know, it's interesting. As you look at the section of Scripture, as he begins, it says he had the scrolls open and he was reading. Uh, there's a good chance that he was a boy when Jeremiah the prophet preached before he was taken into captivity. There's a good chance he heard Jeremiah preach. And he was reading from Jeremiah chapter 25. And Jeremiah chapter 25 is a prophecy where God said captivity is coming. You will be moved. And within that prophecy, as you read down verses 9 through 13, it tells us that this will last for 70 years. Some people, you know, I, I'm not smart enough to figure this out. I had read a couple of different commentaries. One guy said this was like year 67. Another said this was like year 68 since Daniel had been there. But the idea was it's close. God's deliverance is close. There, there will be a time soon where God's people will be able to leave this captivity and they'll be able to go home. And they'll be able to rebuild the temple and and things will be restored. And, and so there's this picture in, in Daniel's heart and in his mind. And, and wouldn't it be easy to be able to, to, as you pray and you see that, as you unroll the scripture, as you sit there and say, God is faithful to his word. And, 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 and just to go into a praise and say, oh, God, you are going to deliver us. And we praise you for that deliverance. We praise you for setting us free, God, because you have prophesied it in your word and it will come to pass. That's not what he said. He said, God, I know this 70 years is almost over. But, oh, God, may we come to you with hearts that are repentant. May it not just be the same old, same old. May it not simply be what we have done. But, God, may we take an honest look, look at our lives and an honest look at you, oh, God of heaven. And may we line our lives up with you. That's, that's the heartbeat that he gives here. That's the heartbeat that he shares. He's excited because the 70 years is almost over. But he also knows that they need to turn to God. They need to learn the lesson. It's not enough to be in church. We've got to be in Christ. Hey, that's, that's the call that he brings us to. He had a real heart for that. Um. I remember uh, years ago, I used to hear the acronym ACTS, and it's so true in prayer, you know, A for adoration. It's so easy to run to the laundry list. Oh, God, you know about this? Help. But to start with adoration, 
to start and say, oh God, this is about you, not about me. And then to confession, and, and this is a prayer of confession where he's just confessing. He's saying, this isn't about the other guy, God. There's a lot of me in here. There's a confession, and then there's a thanksgiving. God, thank you for what you do. And then supplication, the last part of Acts, is bringing it before God, the laundry list, laying it out there before the Lord God to share your heart. I had this black friend, and he used to say, little prayer, little power. Some prayer, some power. Much prayer, much power. There, there's power where prayer is at work. The church used to be um, when America, in its young years, and the when the colonies were beginning, and they would move into an area. The first community building that was erected was the church. It was such a dangerous place. They wanted to come together corporately and say, Oh God, we need you or we will not survive. Now as our culture so obviously moves away from what was so basic to who we were to to the fact that we realized we need God to survive. And now it appears as if we may not survive. As my wife and I were talking the other day, Greg Laurie had, in a recent message, had shared, you know, I, I can't really find the United States anywhere in Scripture in the end times. But God, as he said, and I say too, one last time, God, bring revival. Oh, God, wherever that last time is or wherever we fall, oh, God, in your mercy. Because you're the God, as, as, as I read in verse 9, that, that says you're merciful and forgiving even though we've rebelled. Oh God, one last time, awaken us, Lord. Show us you, show us ourselves and line the two up, God. That, that's what it means to turn your direction. That's what it means to turn God's way. And that's what we need. Um, as you look at verses 16 through 19, you see a key in this prayer to the revival of the church. I just want you to notice as, as you go through 16 through 19, the recurring theme. Do you want to be revived? Do you want to see God work? Well, first, he's got to work in me. And that's got to be the prayer. God, don't change America. God, change me. God, line me up with you. Look at verses 16 through 19. Oh, Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, Turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and iniquities of our fathers have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. I love to talk about grace and love. But you know why grace and love is so wonderful? Because I'm being saved from something. I'm being delivered from something. We live in a... Man, we live in a day... Where nobody wants to talk about sin. I don't like to talk about it. But before I can reach the Savior, I've got to know I got it. And, and that's, what, that's what he's saying here. He's saying, oh, Master. We, are, we have sinned against you. Father, turn your anger away. And, and now look at verse 17. He says, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant." 
here's the key. For your sake, O Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Your broken, crushed sanctuary. Place to be set apart and of service. He said, for your sake, look with favor. Hey, here's the question as we go through here. Does this bring God glory? When you get up in the morning and you get out of bed and you make that first decision of what you're going to do, ask the question, will this bring God glory? As you head to that first place you got to go to, ask the question, is this bringing God glory? As you open your mouth to say the first word, is this bringing God glory? As you take that action, ask, is this bringing God glory? As you go through the day, man, you can't ask that too many times. And as Daniel prays here, he says, I've admitted where we are, but what I want more than anything is to bring you glory. To bring you glory. Notice, um, he says, we do not make requests of you because we are righteous. <laughs> Lord, it's not about how good we are, but because of your great mercy. He says, Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. Notice that again, phrase again. For your sake, my God, do not delay because your city and your people hear your name. Lord, forgive quickly. God, open our eyes, open our hearts now. Do not delay that people may see your glory. Wouldn't it be awesome? You see, he's asking that the glory of God might be beheld by all. Wouldn't it be awesome if the glory of Jesus Christ was beheld through this body of believers? Throughout this community. Where we work, where we have our leisure activities. Whatever it is we do. Where people would say, hey, he loves God. Hey, his, his life is a testimony. That That's the prayer. That's. The heart. That's the need. He says, because your city and your people, that's you and me, guys, bear your name. Let's pray. Lord, as we have looked at your word and as we have looked at a man in his 80s, faithful and still busy, still at work in the government, still in prayer with his God. We look at ourselves, Lord, and sometimes we get depressed as we look at the state of our land and the state of our country um, as a whole and locally. And But Father, we need to turn to you. We, we need to be honest before you, Lord. And we need to ask ourselves, do my words and do my ways bring glory to God? Do they put the Lord God on the platform and the pedestal? Do they elevate him? Because you, O oh God, are the one who deserves the glory. And when that happens, revival begins. So, Father, I pray in this time we call response or invitation with an altar that's open. May we look deep and may we look honestly at our hearts and say okay God 
What do you need to do in me? In Christ's name we pray. Amen.